Well, good morning, everyone. What a joy and privilege it is to have you join us this Sunday morning for our 10.30 service. My name is Shabu. I have the great privilege to be the lead pastor at Canterbury Gardens Community Church. Uh, if you are someone who calls Canterbury home once again, we deeply miss you. We look forward to gathering again as a church family. But our prayer has been in this season and probably also in the seasons to come that you are growing in your love for Jesus day by day. If you're someone who's exploring the Christian faith, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to check us out. And we do pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to draw you to Jesus and reveal who Jesus is. And hopefully today, maybe some of these things will make sense to you. We as a church have been going through the Gospel of John and we're back in it uh, today as we discover who Jesus is and that's in Him we can only have life in His name. And this morning as I was reflecting on our passage, I guess a story came straight to mind. It's the story of my friend Jake. Uh, Jake is a guy who invested deeply into my life. Uh, it was during the time when I was doing ministry with student ministry. Uh, Jake was the guy who discipled me, who encouraged me to love Jesus more. He spent most of uh, his time in showing me how to do ministry, but also he showed me life skills of how to, to care for your family, how to make sure you honor your wife, all these things that were taught and discipled into my life. Jake had a significant impact on my life, even at the moment where he actually was part of our wedding day. But I still remember the day when Jake said that he's going back to America. And I thought to myself, no, this can't be happening. And because we were doing ministry together, I thought to myself, who's going who's gonna to be helping us out? Who, who's who's going to continue this ministry? I mean, it can't be all on me. In a sense, I felt quite overwhelmed. Actually, I didn't feel very much at peace. It wasn't good news. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe there's someone that you deeply care for, someone that you know, who said to you that they were moving. <laughs> They were moving to interstate or maybe they were heading across overseas and you thought to yourself, man, there's some trouble going on in my heart. Or maybe you even thought to yourself, this can't be good news. How will I find peace? Where will I find help? See, in this story that Jesus speaks of, this true story, Jesus is continuing his discipleship of his disciples. That's a lot of disciples there but is continuing in teaching them and preparing them for his departure. Jesus has made this clear over and over again. And he's now making it very clear there's going to be a cost to following him. And we unpacked this a little bit last week. That the disciples have been told that in a sense they're going to be chucked out from their places of worship, which was known as the synagogues back then, because of their following of Jesus. They would be seen as traitors. They would be seen as troublemakers. And Jesus wants to make it very clear to them that you will most probably lose your homes, you will lose your status, and some of you will actually lose your lives. And not only that, there will be people who think because they're killing you, they're doing God a favor. Jesus is making it very clear this is what's going to happen as Jesus goes to the Father. It would have been quite challenging. It would have been quite confronting for them to consider, I wonder. But Jesus says, hey, don't worry. I'm going to send someone. Someone who will help you. But notice what 
this helper will do. Have a look with me in John 16 verses 7 to 15. It's going to be up here on the screen for you as well. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you all the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you now. Would you please use these words that are in your word? Would you make them come alive? And if you're willing to use me, use me. Holy Spirit, I ask right now, I need your help. And I pray that you would reveal Jesus to us today in whatever season of our faith we're in. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. There's two things I want us to consider this morning. Firstly, I want us to consider the convictions of the Holy Spirit in verses 4 to 15. And secondly, I want us to consider Jesus who has overcome in verses 10 to 33. Now, as I've been sitting here and thinking about this, uh, I hope you've been enjoying the Holy Spirit discussions that we've had. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, you can head to our YouTube channel and you'll see CGCC discussions and you'll see a three-part series that we've done. And hopefully it's stirred you to discover more of who the Holy Spirit is or maybe uh, it's actually encouraged you in your faith. So Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. He's introduced the Helper earlier in the previous passage. And in this moment now, Jesus is continuing to do the teaching on the role of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching the very purpose of the uh, reason why the Helper will come. And not only that, what the role of the Holy Spirit will be in this world and in the life of the believer. In the verses 4 to 15, he speaks about the Holy Spirit again using a word that we've already heard called Helper. This word means that the Helper, or, or another way to put it, some translations might have it, is the Advocate. This is someone who comes alongside somebody. This one who is one who pleads the case of another. Actually, in this context, what Jesus is trying to declare is the Holy Spirit is the one who will empower the believer of Jesus after Jesus' resurrection to, to empower them, but also to grow in them a deeper knowledge of the truth of the gospel and then enable them to do what? To live in this world. Actually, the way this language is being set up is to, to deal with the trials and the persecutions that they will face. This is what's wrapped up in this whole language of the Holy Spirit described as the helper. And not only that, the Holy Spirit has a role. He has a purpose for coming into this world. And this is the main focus, that he will convict the world. And this is what it will look like in verses 8 to 14. He will convict the world regarding sin. He will convict the world regarding righteousness. He will convict the world regarding judgment. 
What Jesus is trying to get at, he's reminding the disciples that the work of the Holy Spirit is to, to convict the world that the rejection of God, that's the rejection of the Messiah, is sin. That rejecting Jesus as the Son of God is sin because it is a posture of arrogance and defiance. I mean, the Gospel of John actually unpacks this for us. It's up here on the screen again in John 3. It says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, Jesus has already been unpacking this. The Gospel of John has been unpacking this. And in this moment, what we've been told is, Jesus is saying the rejection of Jesus as the light is sin. And the Holy Spirit will convict the world of this. He's also reminding the disciples then and for us today that the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict to the world that their view of righteousness is completely wrong and upside down. What do I mean by that? See, the language of saying convicting them of their righteousness, it's not to say they've got it together. No, no, it's to actually convict them to make them realize they have an empty righteousness. You know, I don't know if you've ever met friends who say things like this to you who don't know Jesus. I'm fine. I'm not such a bad person, am I? Well, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world to say, hey, your righteousness does not stand anywhere close to the righteousness of a holy God. And so you are guilty. And the only way that you can come to a holy God who is righteous, is through someone who is already righteous. That is Jesus Christ. And that the world can't create its own kinds of standards of righteousness. And the world does, doesn't it? And here what Jesus wants to say is the Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world of its righteousness. That it is totally wrong. And then Jesus wants to continue this teaching and wants to say to the disciples then and to us, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of the, the, the judgment that is there under. What do I mean by that? What Jesus wants to say is, is there's two kinds of judgment going on in that. The judgment here is, firstly, that the world has rejected the Messiah then, and the world is continuing to reject Jesus as the Messiah and that rejection means they have brought judgment. The world has brought judgment on itself. And the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of that. But not only that, there's another judgment. The judgment on Satan, the evil one, the one who has always been against God, the one who has always been against Jesus. And Jesus is saying, well, guess what? Satan stands in judgment. It's a beautiful assurance for those of us who know Jesus. So Jesus is unpacking for the disciples then and for us today 
that the Holy Spirit will convict and reveal to the hearts that have rejected Jesus that they are under judgment. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, Shabu, are you sure about it? It isn't evil sort of doing whatever they want. Yes. Evil continues to be active. But it's a reminder to us that the Holy Spirit who convicts and brings judgment is also the promise of what is to come. That there is a day coming. They all will be judged. And right now the Holy Spirit is convicting people of this judgment. The day will come. It's a picture of a sure assurance and certainty. And for the disciples then, this would have been words of comfort. They probably didn't understand it at the time, not till after Jesus' resurrection. But it should be a comfort to us. Evil has its day. Because Jesus is risen. And Jesus says, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world. Now, we need to ask the question, why is Jesus saying this to his disciples? Friends, it's a wonderful reminder, and I think specifically for the disciples of the time, Jesus is saying, hey, my mission will continue. My mission will continue past my death, past my resurrection, past me going to the Father. The Holy Spirit will be the one who will continue this mission. And that, those words are meant to bring comfort to the disciples. It's wonderful assurance. If you can just imagine, you know, they're sitting there thinking, you're the rabbi, you're going to go, you're not going to be around. Who's going to help us? What are we, how are we going to do this job? And Jesus is saying, hey, the Holy Spirit, he will help. He's the one who will help you disciples to do the continuing work of Christ. He's saying to the disciples then as well, I think, to remind them of the very purpose of the Holy Spirit. That is to guide the believer in truth. Do you see that in those verses? Meaning that the, the Christian life ultimately will always constantly need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's ongoing work in the follower of Jesus. Now, there's a guy called J.R. Packer who's a man who's passed away now, a great theologian, loved his teaching, and he put it this way, the Christian life in all its aspects, intellectual and ethical and devotional and relational, upsurging in worship and outgoing at witness, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it, so apart from him, not only will there be no lively believers and no lively congregations, there will be no believers, no congregations at all. Did you see that up there on the screen? See, the Holy Spirit is there to empower the believer. We are dependent on Him. But the Holy Spirit's goal is actually ultimately glorify Jesus. His desire is to point hearts and wills and remind them of the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus. Up here on the screen you'll see and a guy called Bruce Ware is another theologian and he writes this. Though the Holy Spirit is God, equal in essence to the Father and Son, Yet his role is constantly to defer honour, to seek to bring about the glory of another. It's a beautiful way to put it. Do you know what this means for you and I, followers of Jesus? We need helper. We need his help. You and I can't do the Christian life apart from his actual help and his empowerment. 
He's the one who has been sent by Christ to reveal Christ and to empower us to live for Christ. That means even in our weakness, in our mess. I mean, you see the band of disciples. You know, if you had a a sort of choice of people to, to continue this message, I reckon we probably wouldn't choose half of those guys. As they were empowered by the Spirit of God, they went and did what God had called them to do. And you know what? In this world that we live in, the talk about convicting people, the language of sin, the lack of righteousness, the thought that God is a judge, sounds pretty full on, doesn't it? But friends, it's a reminder to you and I, that is what the Holy Spirit will be doing. That's his work there. It's a good reminder to you and I that for those of us who know Jesus, we need to be very careful in those moments that you and I attempted to be the Holy Spirit. We want to be the ones that convict. We want to be the ones that show judgment rather than letting the Holy Spirit do his work. And that's also a a word to those of us who are timid. We might think, oh, I don't want to bring up the judgment stuff, the sin stuff, all those things. Friends, please be careful. Until your friend who does not know Jesus is confronted of their lack of righteousness and God's holiness, they will then need to discover that they need Jesus and the Holy Spirit will make them see that. So please share the truth of the gospel. And friends, if you're someone who doesn't know Jesus, I want you to know very openly and honestly, please, I hope you hear this, I'm saying this with with love for you is that you are under judgment. You're bringing judgment on yourself for rejecting Jesus. And you know what? We're actually praying for you right now that as you watch the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that you are a sinner who needs rescuing from your sin. The Holy Spirit is revealing to you In your thinking, you might think that you're a good person because you haven't hurt anyone. Overall, you're a a good person. Friends, you are not in light of a holy God. And Jesus wants to say to you, and maybe even was drawing you already, actually, and the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you that that judgment is there. But friends, I want to also bring before you hope. Hope is only found in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The one who says to you, come and follow him. And we're praying that the Spirit of God will make this truth seep into your heart. And like we said last week, please pick up that phone. SMS your friend who knows Jesus. Uh, Plug into a local church. Maybe you're just checking us out today that that loves Jesus, knows Jesus. Uh, maybe even now you're sitting there, maybe you don't have any Christian friends that you know of. We would invite you to go to the church public Facebook page and message us there. We'd love to get in touch with you. It's saying, I want to know Jesus more. And Christian friends, it's a reminder to you and I again that this idea of truth is something that we too need to consider. What kind of truths are we pursuing today? Are we pursuing truths that reveal more of who Jesus is, or is it just our own truth? Friends, we we were called to to live lives, to ask the helper 
to help us to walk in the truth revealed in Jesus. So when we share about Jesus, it shouldn't be with arrogance ever, but a posture of humility and grace, but a dependence on him, the Holy Spirit, the helper. So our focus then becomes less more about ourselves, but on the one who the Holy Spirit always wants to point people to. He wants to point everyone, even our own hearts constantly to, like a big bright billboard to Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who will convict the world. It's in need of Jesus. It's in need of a saviour. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the helper who will help followers to live as people being guided to the truth who is Jesus Christ. He is the one who will enable us for the rest of our lives here on this earth to do that. So Jesus has set this foundation. And I wonder if you can feel the weight on the disciples who are sitting there and thinking and considering these things. And sure, Jesus is saying there's going to be a helper going to come. And that kind of sounds maybe weird and odd to them. But Jesus is not going to be there. And maybe they're feeling overwhelmed. And now Jesus goes into this picture of birth. What's going on? I mean, I remember this day when my little ones were born. I, I remember I've got images imprinted into my head. And I've got to be honest with you, some of those images are not beautiful images. All those romantic movies, they're lying to you, friends. But by the way, I'm not trying to... Anyway, I'll just keep going. I also remember those moments when my wife would just say things to me like, things like, shh, just hold my hand. I remember seeing tears. I remember hearing the nurse coming into the room and saying to me, tell your wife to be quiet, she's being too loud. I also remember her saying, I'll never do this again. I remember seeing that moment as well. And my wife held a little one against her, her chest. I remember the tears of joy and relief. I remember as she held the little one, we cried and wept. I see, I still have those images in my heart and head. See, in this, in this moment, what is Jesus doing? Is he trying to sort of you know, disciple his disciples to prepare them to have babies? No, no, no. He's making a significant statement. See, friends, the Bible is one big story. The story of God's grace and salvation, pursuing people, drawing people to himself. And throughout scripture, what you have is God revealing about the Messiah that is to come. And these words that Jesus says in John 16, 22, up here on the screen, you'll see. So also you have sorrow now that I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. That very statement is actually a deliberate statement. Actually, most theologians and most scholars say this, that it's most probably an Old Testament quote. And actually, the Old Testament quote that Jesus is saying is actually from Isaiah 66, 14. It's up here on the screen for you. You shall see and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass. The band of the Lord shall be known to his servants and he'll show his indignation against his enemies. Jesus says in this moment, he changes you will see to I will see you. What's Jesus doing now? He's now turning this about this passage. He's saying, here, I'm the one who will see you. 
it's a testimony of Jesus saying that, hey, I'll be gone. Yes, I will die, but I'll be raised again. And guess what? I will reinitiate my relationship with you. I mean, what's the point of all of this? Friends, I think Jesus is saying, guys, this is something the Father and I have planned. This is God's salvation plan. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't be sorrowful. This is what the Father has planned. And he's saying to them, I will be returning. These words are there for comfort for the disciples who probably didn't fully understand and didn't fully get it till after they received the Holy Spirit. And in some sense, they even say they understand. You see that in verse 22, but you know very clearly they don't. And Jesus picks that up, I think. And Jesus actually says, hey guys, you don't understand. And you know what? If they did understand, if they fully got this then, they wouldn't have deserted him. And that's what Jesus says. You guys will leave me. You will actually abandon me. And Jesus says, but you know what? He's not abandoned. He's not alone. It's a perfect picture of who Jesus is, that he's the obedient son, the one who knew what his mission was and willingly went to the cross in the full knowledge of his death, but also the full knowledge of his resurrection and knowing that this is the early beginning of God's salvation plan to the world. This is God's plan. That's something he's always had. Even before the foundations of the earth. It's a reminder that this world needs this good news. Friends, what's the point of all of this? Well, actually, Jesus tells us what the point is. Did you see that? Have a look with me in John 16, 33. It's up here on the screen. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you have peace. In the world... You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I mean, the whole purpose, what's the whole purpose of this? Is Jesus sort of trying to create some deep theological understanding of salvation, how God has planned it. And friends, it is actually a very caring thing for Jesus to do. He's wanting to encourage them to have peace. And friends, this language of peace is not world peace or uh, peace between uh, someone who's um, you've hurt or you're angry with. No, this this peace is the, the tranquil kind of peace that a follower of Jesus has because they have salvation. It's the kind of peace that the follower of Jesus has that no matter what happens in their earthly life, through trials and challenges and tribulation, they have peace. It's Jesus' way of saying to the followers then that, guess what, guys? You will have troubled times. And he makes that very clear in the verses there. But in those troubled times, the helper will come. He will help you. He will lead you into this truth, this ultimate truth that Jesus has given you eternal life. This is why Jesus makes it clear. The world that we live in, and this is not an option, friends. We can't tap out of this if you're a follower of Jesus you and I will have trouble. You and I will have suffering. Now, I don't know about you. When you read these kind of verses, it really depends where you, what angle you take. Some of us will come across these verses and go, oh yeah, that's nice. Some of us might say, hey, peace, really? I should be, I wish you knew what was going on in my life. Some of us might say, oh no, please, I don't want trouble and suffering. Some of us might say, whatever it might be. What Jesus says to all of us is take heart. Another way to put it is Jesus says, take courage, be
be courageous. Why? Because he has conquered the world. Jesus has conquered the world that is filled with sin. Jesus has conquered the world that it thinks itself righteous. Jesus has conquered the world that continuously rejects Christ. And because of that, there is judgment. Jesus is the one who has overcome the world. And he's calling anyone who's going to be a disciple of his to be courageous. To go. To know that you're saved. To know that the Holy Spirit, the Helper, is with you. And with a full assurance of your salvation. The full assurance of the peace you have with God because of Christ and His work. And to know that Jesus has conquered the world. Friends, why don't we? Why don't we? I mean, there may be many things that drive this. I think some of us have lost the view of the Holy Spirit. We've lost the view that He's the one who does the convicting and the converting. And maybe there's part of us that want to try to do it in our own effort. Maybe for us, the thing we need to do is no, maybe step back in the process of sharing, in the process of loving, in the process of sharing the good news of Jesus, we say, Holy Spirit, please help me. Please, you do the convicting. And for some of us, if we do feel that we are in troubled times. There's many worries and challenges that we are facing and maybe the simple thing in some sense, but also the, the thing that's happened in our hearts is we lose sight of Jesus, the one who is victorious. Maybe for us that we need to step back and look to this Jesus. Maybe you and I can memorize this one verse as a reminder to us in those moments where the many voices say to us, no, they've overcome. No, we can say Jesus has overcome the world. Finally, some of us have just become apathetic. We've got our ticket to heaven and, and so we're fine. And we speak of fondness of God's grace and love to us. And we talk about stories of the old days. And maybe our grace has now become more individualistic. Oh, friends. Maybe you and I have lost the majesty and wonder of the one who has overcome the world. Maybe the call to you and I is, friends, you and I need to be reminded that Jesus' victory was not done through sort of religious wisdom. It was through him being willing to be abandoned, to go to a cross, to be killed for you and for me, to take our place and then to bring us peace, peace that we deeply need in salvation. And this is the motivation for us to be disciples. And so for those of us who have become apathetic for various reasons, maybe the call is to wake up. Wake up. Christ has forgiven you. Maybe you and I need to cry out for the Holy Spirit to help us to capture that again afresh. And friends, if you're someone who's exploring the Christian faith, I want to make this very clear again to you. The Christian faith is exclusive. It will cost you to follow him. I mean, for the disciples then, they, it cost them their homes, their livelihoods, and even for their own lives. And actually that's true for many other Christians around the world. But you know what? That peace you're seeking and other things will never fulfill you. 
Holy Jesus brings to true peace. So we would invite you to come to him. And Canterbury Gardens, may we be a church that partners with the great helper to do the work of Jesus till either he calls us home or till he returns. So this week, as you head into this week, Ask the Holy Spirit to not only convict you, but to convict the people around you that you have interaction with. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you walk in truth. The truth that points us constantly back to Jesus over and over again. And many of us are facing the realities of fear and anxiety and worry. And there may be legitimate things that are going on in your life. But friend, if that is you, Guess what? That's the reality of the world that we, we live in, isn't it? Because this world is broken. Take heart. Jesus has given you eternal life. Jesus has given you eternal peace. And he's conquered the world. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered the devil. So keep resting in him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time together as a church family. I pray and I ask that whoever you've spoken to through your word, that you would help us to apply these things. Holy Spirit, as I help, would you enable us? Our right, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for being gracious to send the help. I thank you for being the one who's conquered the world. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered the devil. And we yearn for your return. May it all be done. Until that day, for those of us who know you, help us to live as faithful disciples in this world. For those of us who don't know you, stir our hearts to explore more. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless church family. See you soon.